Blessed are you, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. And may we and our offspring and the offspring of your, of your people, Israel, the whole house of Israel, all of us, know your name, know your name, and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Amen. Genesis chapter 29, beginning in verse 31. We're going to read through chapter 30 to verse 13. We're in the book of Yaakov, as it were. Adonai saw that Leah was unloved, so he opened her womb. But Rachel remained barren. It's a very interesting verse. We're going to look at that because it seems a little unfair on the surface. Why is it Rachel's fault just because somebody loved her more than he loved the other wife? Why does she have to suffer barrenness? We're going to come back to that and find out why, what the root cause of Leah's love, or God's compassion rather, on Leah was. It says, Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. And she had declared, because Adonai has discerned my humiliation, for now my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bore a son and declared, because Adonai has heard that I am unloved, he has given me this one also. And she called his name Simeon. Again, she conceived and bore a son and declared, this time my husband will become attached to me, for I've borne him three sons. Therefore, she called his name Levi. She conceived again and bore a son and declared, This time let me gratefully praise Adonai. Therefore she called his name Judah, and then she stopped giving birth. Chapter 30. Rachel saw that she had not borne children to Jacob, so Rachel became envious of her sister, and she said to Jacob, Give me children, otherwise I am dead. Jacob's anger flared up at Rachel, and, she, and he said, Am I instead of God who has withheld from you fruit of the womb? Now, Jacob's going to pay for that a little bit later because God wasn't happy with that statement, actually. And because Rachel's plea was, uh, this is why you need the oral Torah because you've got to get into what Rachel was wanting. It wasn't, she just wasn't wanting kids. It wasn't just that. But we'll get to that in a second. Verse 3, she said, here is my maid, Bilhah. Y'all about to learn something about Bilhah and Zilpah. It's going to blow your little minds today. Your big minds, not little minds. I don't mean that derogatory, your big minds. Y'all all have big minds here. Your minds. Don't mind me. Ha <laughs> ha. She gave him Bilhah, her maidservant, as a wife, and Jacob consorted with her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me. He has also heard my voice and has given me a son. She therefore called his name Dan. Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, conceived again and bore Rachel a second son. And Rachel said, sacred schemes have I maneuvered to equal my sister, and I have also prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped giving birth, she took Zilpah, her maidservant, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, bore Jacob a son, and Leah declared, good luck has come. So she called his name Gad. 
Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, bore a second son to Jacob, and Leah declared, In my good fortune, for, for women have deemed me fortunate. So she called his name Asher. Reuben went out in the days... Oh, I'm going to stop right there. We'll come back to that next week. That's the end of our reading. We're going to get into the, the next part next week. So we now have Jacob. He went away to get a wife. He now has four. Very interesting uh, turn of events. I'm going to pull out some sources here. Let me just uh, figure out what I'm going to do. Oh, here we go. We have Rabbi Monk's commentary. We have with us today the legends of the Jews, Baruch Hashem. And uh, who else do we have? We have Pirkei de Rebbe Eliezer today, Baruch Hashem. And uh, who else do we have over here? We have Rashi, we have a little Rashi today. And uh, see what we can get going. All right, I want to, let me see where I shall start. Let's start with the legends of the Jews, shall we? Legends of the Jews. This is, I'm going to go back to what we read last week. And I, I hope that what I share as part of the exegesis gives us a new appreciation for these stories, um, a new understanding of what's going on in the life of Jacob and how this all came to be, a new appreciation for God's grace and his mercy, and a new appreciation for the sisters' love for each other and their great grace and great mercy. First of all, I said I was going to start with Legends of the Jews, which I am, but let me just share this one quick thing from Rabbi Monk's commentary. He says that Jacob knew, Jacob realized, he heard stories. You know, Jacob, understand, Jacob's not a young man. I think people lose that sometimes. They think that, you know, we read these stories, they think Jacob is some 20-something, and he's out there, you know, perusing for a wife. Turns out that Jacob is an, an older man at this point. I mean, he's, uh, some say he's in his 80s at this point. That's why he says, all right, I've been working, I'm 84 I've got, I know God has spoken to me. I'm going to have 12 kids for 12 tribes. So I've got to get busy because I ain't got, I mean, times, you know, click, 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 click here. So can I have Rachel now? Thank you. And uh, so, he, but he knew his brother, he knew rather his uncle was a trickster, was a sorcerer, was an idolater, not to be trusted. In fact, there's a commentary we're going to come to uh, here in a second. Um, where he basically says, uh, um, yes, it says he wanted to be on guard against Laban, so Jacob worded his agreement with him regarding his marriage to Rachel with such precision that it would leave in his mind, he thought anyway, no room for distortion or, or beguilement. This is, comes from the legends of the Jews. So Jacob said to Laban, I know that the people of this place are not exactly honest. Therefore, I desire to put the matter very clearly to you. I will serve you for seven years for Rachel, hence not Leah. For your daughter, the one that you brought near, not some other lady, like, likewise named Rachel. In other words, don't change Leah's name to Rachel because they, they were known to do that kind of stuff. It's like, well, you said Rachel. You didn't say which Rachel. So he says, no, the one that you brought near to me, and I said that Rachel, that's the one, which is why we have the the veiling ceremony today in Jewish weddings, it's to verify that the woman under the veil is actually the one that's supposed to be there. The one you ordered, you know. 
So it says here, and then he adds, and by the way, in case I'm not clear, this is for the younger daughter. Okay? So this is, but, but and the whole time Laban's going, uh-huh, uh-huh, sure, yeah, right. And the whole time he's scheming in his mind. So Jacob still doesn't trust Laban, so Rabbi Monk brings down that he had given Rachel special signs, like baseball. That's these special signs to know that she would signal to him that it's me. Okay? It's very important. She would be able to signal to Jacob, yes, it's me. So Laban, going back to the legends of the Jews, Laban had told the townspeople, look, ever since this guy Jacob has shown up, we were in a drought, but ever since he's shown up, the water has been flowing, and it's been good water and sweet water which I find interesting because it's like Yeshua who said, I'm the wellspring of living water. And Jacob is known as the Lamb of God, which is why he wasn't buried in Egypt. But so it's interesting that he's a pious man. They said, they said listen, if, we let him, if I let him take Rachel, he's going to take Rachel and just go back home, and then our water's going to dry up. So we got to keep him around here as long as we can. So the townspeople said, okay, what you got? What's your plan? He's like, well, y'all all give me pledges so that you're, we're in this together. And then we'll make this happen. So it says, it says, uh, with the pledges they left with him, Laban bought wine, oil, and meat for the wedding feast, and he set a meal before them, which they had themselves ended up paying for. So he was such a trickster that he tricks the townspeople. He said, give me a pledge. Now, when you give somebody a pledge, you're supposed to be able to get it back. So what he did is he took the pledges, and he went down to, uh, uh, you know, he went down to meet uh, meat point, and he got the lamb, everything lamb, and those pledges, you know, meat point, those pledges were gone. I mean, just it was overnight. And so he ended up, they never get their pledges back, and they end up paying. So he tricked the townspeople into paying for the whole wedding. It says, that's why layman is called an army, that is a deceiver. So it says, they feasted all day until late at night, and when Jacob expressed his astonishment at the attention shown him, they said to him, through your piety, did, did you do a great service of loving kindness unto us? And our supply of water has increased into abundance, and we just want to show you our gratitude. So they fed him, and lots of wine, and it's late at night, and so he's a little, you know, hmm, this is nice. And uh, by the way, Rachel and Leah were identical twins, so they have the same build, the same height, the same general shape, especially under a heavy veil. And it says, it says that, but the townspeople trying to play around with him were trying to hint to him a little bit because while they were dancing around the veiled bride, they kept crying out, Halia, Halia, Halia. But they were doing it like in a dance, and Jacob doesn't really know the language all that well, so he's like, oh, that's sweet, that's cute. But what they were really saying in their language is, this is Leah, this is Leah, this is Leah. But Jacob was, uh, it, he went, it went unnoticed to him. It turns out that the story goes that um, they had a heavy veil on her. She's, she's basically a, a, an identical twin to her sister. And then right before the wedding took place, they went and they extinguished all the, can, all the lamps. And they said, wait a minute. Um, we're doing a wedding at night, which is kind of weird. And now you've just put all the lights out, so the lights are real, real low. And they're like, oh, this is just how we do things. This is just customary. So it says that um, Rachel, 
ended up noticing that her, her sister was perhaps going to be um, embarrassed. It says at, at night, uh, it says Jacob had prearranged signs, rather, with Rachel for the wedding night, but when Rachel saw that Leah was being given to Jacob, she said to herself, my sister will be humiliated, and she told her these signs. Now, um, I, I just want to point out, as we're looking at this story and going through kind of the insights to it, something that stuck out to me, maybe, I mean, I've seen this before, I've read this, it's not the first time that I've read these things, but but it seems to me like this is the first time I've really noticed the intense love that Rachel had for not just her sister Leah, but her other sisters who were also Jacob's wives. So she sees that Leah's being, that her father is doing this. Rachel can't do anything about it. A lot of people think when they read this story, through my whole life, of, I've heard people talk about this wedding, this marriage, um, in non-Jewish circles. It's always talked about as being just one big hot mess. Lots of rivalry, lots of jealousy. Um, poor Jacob married to four women. It must have been just, if you'll pardon the expression, just H-E double hockey sticks. Turns out that's not true. Turns out that the, the girls, the women, loved each other so much that they went out of their way to make sure that everybody was treated fairly and everybody was taken care of. Turns out that when Rachel saw that her sister was going to be given, it's not Leah's fault, it's not Rachel's fault, this is all Laban. She didn't want her sister to be embarrassed. Rachel loved Jacob. Jacob loved Rachel. They, just, they wanted to be this, the two of them, that was his plan. And he foresaw that he was going to have 12 children, and so he thought that maybe Rachel was going to have all 12. Turns out she ends, up does, she ends up having a 12, but we'll get to that in a second. And Rachel could have said, oh, no, uh-uh. You're not going to marry my sister. Oh, no, and this is not going to work out. I'm not going to let my father. But instead, she um, taught her sister the special hand signs. There's an inside, actually, that says that on the wedding night that Rachel snuck into the room and slipped under the bed because, I don't know if you've ever, well, everybody's seen twins before, right? And twins can be identical twins, but there's always nuances to the voice. The voices aren't necessarily the same, not always. And so he knew Rachel's voice, and so whenever he spoke to Leah on the wedding night, Rachel would answer from beneath the bed. That's a whole new level. But this is what happened. And as a result, it says here in Rabbi Monk's commentary, but now, I mentioned, by the way, let me, before I go too fast, I mentioned her other sisters. This is the part about Bilhah and Zilpah you probably didn't know. Some of you may know, but you may not have known. Bilhah and Zilpah were also sisters. They were half-sisters to Leah and Rachel. So this is interesting because you think, well, wait a minute, the Scripture refers to them as handmaidens. Well, Pirkei de Rebbe Eliezer brings down in chapter, what is this, chapter 36, 
Laban took his two handmaids and gave them to his two daughters. Were they his handmaids? They were not. They were, in fact, his daughters. But according to the law of the land at the time, the daughters of a man that he had by a concubine as opposed to a full wife are called handmaids and therefore secondary to the daughters from the full wife. So Laban had given to Rachel and his daughters Bilhah and Zilpah as their handmaids, not as servants or slaves, but just as handmaids. And so with the, with the girls, these are their half-sisters. It's their, their sisters of their father with, a, with one of his concubines. A concubine is like a half-wife. So these are their sisters. And so they decided that, listen, Jacob has already married us and we're sisters. And we know, Leah especially knew, that there were supposed to be 12. In fact, she, one of the reasons why she rejoiced so much in Judah is because she expected that each sister was going to have three. And when she had four, she realized God had given her an extra blessing. So she said to her handmaiden, listen, you know, Rachel did it first, of course. Rachel said, go and, and, and be with Bilhah, go, go and be a wife to him. That's her sister. And then later Zilpah. Now, it's interesting because Zilpah was actually the younger. It was customary to give the older handmaiden to the older sister at the time. But in order to make the ruse complete, he gave the younger handmaiden to the older sister so that Jacob wouldn't think anything. But nevertheless, Jacob ends up being married to four sisters. Now, there's an insight that says, how is it that Jacob, being a righteous man, because all the patriarchs follow the Torah, the Torah has always existed, the Torah forbids being married to sisters at the same time while they're still alive. You can marry a sister, but one sister has to pass away before you can marry the other one. You can't be married to two at the same time. He's married to four. So there's an insight that the rabbis are talking about this, and I guess they forgot that Zilpah and Bill, because it's everywhere. It's in the Midrash Rabbah. Rashi brings it down. Rashi, Rashi comments to uh, Genesis 31 and um, uh, verse 50. He points out, too, that these are Zilpah and Bilhah are, are sisters and daughters of Laban. The Midrash Rabbah points it out. I just, I just quoted from Rabbi uh, Pirkei Rabbi Eliezer. But they said, well, you know, there's lots of excuses given. But one of the things is that this is why Rachel had to die when they got to the Holy Land because you really can't be married to two sisters in the Holy Land. Okay, fine. So Rachel dies and he's got Leah, but he also has Bilhah and Zilpah, so he's got three sisters now. So that doesn't work. It's just a, I don't know what you would call it. It's just one of those things where God says, this is completely outside of my Torah, and yet it's exactly what I want. I don't have an answer, and, and I think that, and I, I, I'm not even going to pretend to have an answer because I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's the same, same thing where King David is going to take and, and have, have a, uh, an adulterous relationship with um, Bathsheba, have her husband killed, and that's terrible, and, and later Bathsheba gives birth to Solomon, who's of the line of the Mashiach. So the line of the Mashiach comes from this terrible and holy, uh, unholy relationship. So Rachel's great merit. It says, Rachel's act of supreme, um, 
self-sacrifice for the sake of her sister, it's considered a moral value great enough to assure her eternal merit. It says, when the first temple fell into enemy hands and the Jews were taken into captivity in Babylon, it says the patriarchs and Moses intervened from beyond the grave. They begged for God's kindness and asked him to put an end to the people's suffering. The Midrash, allegorically anyway, describes their arguments and their means of persuasion to obtain divine clemency. Each of them referred in moving terms to his own merit, but God did not heed any of their supplications. So all the patriarchs have come forward to plead for God's mercy after the destruction of the first temple, and Moses came forward and pled for God's mercy, and God's not listening to anybody, and then Rachel stepped forward. Rachel's voice was heard when she said, Master of the universe, you know that Jacob loved me with a boundless love and that he served my father for seven years so that he could marry me. And when our wedding day came, my father deceived him to put my sister in my place. But I was not jealous of her. If I, who am nothing but ashes and dust, was not jealous of my rival, how could you, master of the universe, be jealous of idol worshipers, or the idols rather that the Jews worshipped, which are but nothing. And God, pity it says, was at once roused, and he proclaimed, I will grant your prayer. Rachel, I will grant your prayer, and I will bring the Jews back to their homeland. All because of Rachel's love and self-sacrifice on behalf of her sister. And let's keep in mind that all of these women understood that what came first and foremost was the mission. What came first and foremost was that there had to be 12 sons. There had to be 12 tribes. And nobody got greedy, as Mikael might say. Oh, they all have to come from me. It all ended up this way. Ain't old Milvado, everything is from Hashem. Ain't old Milvado, everything is from Hashem. We talk, I, I, I said something in my opening remarks about all this mayhem that's been happening. You have to understand, as the Rebbe often says, the devil often overplays his hand. Of course, Hashem has got him on a little string doing that. He's dancing like one of those little, what do you call those little marinette, marinette things? And, and the enemy always overplays his hand. So he gets to the point where everybody is so backed up against the wall, they're going to start going towards right, Righteousness. Watch. You say, oh, man, the world's going crazy. Everybody's just going insane. And people are just, they're going, they'll never get close to Torah. Watch what happens when it gets so bad, you end up going through righteousness. What's an example of that? Noah. The world is so bad, God ends up with the ark. See, the, see God is always going to win. So, you know, you, so let, me, let me just say something to you. The world... All the world will eventually follow Torah. See, that's the end result. That's the end result. So it says, Rachel's desire for children. So what is it about... Oh, oh by the way, before I get into that, let me just... This is, a, this is a really fun insight. So Rachel loved Leah. 
Leah, we learn, and there's another insight we'll probably get to, but just in the short, Leah did not, she was supposed to marry Esau. And we'll get to that in a second. But Rachel loved Leah. Leah loved Rachel. Um, They loved Zilpah. They loved Bilhah. They were all four sisters that loved each other, and they were all about the mission. It's about the mission. I mean, think about the great love for Zilp- of Zilpah and Bilhah, by the way, who they know that they're sisters like Leah. They're, they're blood-related, and yet they're willing to be handmaids. You don't ever hear them say, I ain't going to be your handmaid. What are you talking about? You know? No, but they understand there's a hierarchy. We don't necessarily understand it in our culture because it's just our culture. But it's, that's a, it's, it's, a, it's, not, it's a legit thing. They have this hierarchy, and so whatever. And so they're like, okay, this is where I'm at. And so... But see, what happened was with Leah and Rachel is that the moment they give Bilhah and Zilpah to Jacob, that they, they bring them up to their level. They knew what they were doing. They are bringing them up to their level. You say, I, don't, you know, I know you're my, you're my handmaiden because that's what our society says, but you know what? You should marry him. And Zilpah and Bilhah were like, well, you know, if I marry him, we're like the same. It's like, yeah, true. So let's do it. It's about the mission. So it says that Jacob, though, Jacob's, you know, all of our heroes in the Bible, I know none of us, this doesn't apply to us personally, but all the heroes in the Bible have, a, have flaws. I know most of us, we all walk on water and we, on Shabbat, we, we slide, glide down the stairs to the kitchen. We walk into the kitchen on Shabbat Eve and everything's been made by the birds and the, and the squirrels and everything. They've been in there fixing it. But, um, but Jacob had a flaw. He had some flaws. Jacob was mad at Leah. And he rebukes her. He just walks in there and rebukes her. He doesn't like Leah, which is kind of weird. Said she had, um, what's the, what they, um, not, yeah, her, something wrong with her eyes. Well, we, well, there's a reason why her eyes are like that. Weak eyes, weak eyes, weak eyes. But she's supposed to be a twin of Rachel, so I don't get it. I mean, she's a twin, so. I mean, you know, but he doesn't like her, and he's mad. And he says, it says, and Rabbi Monk brings down, his, his feelings for Leah quickly turned to hatred. Really sad. That's really going to be sad. Jake, Jacob needs to be rebuked when you find out what Leah's heart was all about. Jacob, unfortunately, everybody's got flaws. He was being a little selfish right here. He, he wasn't about the mission. Or at least it doesn't seem like he was. So it says here, Leah, he hated her. He says, for when he realized how he had been tricked on the wedding night, he said to her, deceiver, daughter of a deceiver, you've become your father's accomplice and are just as treacherous as he. Uh. She answered him, and said this, and you, did you not trick your father when he asked you, is this my son Esau? And you said, I am Esau, your firstborn. Did your father not tell Esau about you saying your brother came with cleverness? And you think you have the right to reproach me for my deception? Jacob got in his 57 Chevy and drove around the city all night long. 
listening to Led Zeppelin or whatever. That was a, I mean, that's a stone cold rebuttal. Leia just lay, layered him out with that. Now, Rachel wants children. Uh, I just, I just, I'm, I'm really, really getting into this story. I want you to hear Rachel's heart. It says, when Rachel saw that her sister had borne Jacob four sons, she envied Leah. But wait, it's not what you think. I want to emphasize that my whole life I've been taught about this story that there was just a big hot mess. There was one big cat fight between all the women. And Jacob just drug himself around town all the time. He went to the baker shop. Morning, Yaakov. What's good about it? You ain't got four lives. Sisters. We just been taught that every night there was a fight at dinner. Turns out that's just a bunch of nonsense from a bunch of people that don't know anything about anything. She envied Leah, yes, but here's the envy part. Not that she begrudged her for for her good fortune and her enjoyment. It wasn't about that. I'm glad my sister's got four sons. By the way, she also had four daughters because every time a son was born, a a, a twin daughter born with him. With one exception, Yosef. But anyway, um, says she only envied her for her piety. Listen to Rachel. She didn't envy the sister because she had boys and she didn't have any. Rachel was barren. She didn't envy Leah because she had four sons and she didn't. It wasn't like, give me children because I don't have any and she's got them. That's what we've been taught. And they were just, meow, meow. It's like, a, you know, they were just pulling her head. She drug Leah around the tent. And Jacob's like, oh, my God, what have I done that you hate me so much? I laid down. I put the rocks on my head. They came one rock. And now this. No, she was envious of Leah's piety because she realized that Leah was a better woman than she was for whatever reason. So she said to herself that it was for her righteous conduct that she owed the blessing of many children. Then she besought Jacob, pray unto God for me, that he grant me children, else my life is no life. It wasn't about the kids, it was about the piety. I want to to be part of the mission. I want to be part of the mission. I don't want to be left out of the mission. Pray for me, because if I'm left out of the mission, then... I might as well die now. It says, Verily there are four that may be regarded as though they were dead, the blind, the leper, the, child, the, leper, the childless, and the one who's rich but has lost his fortune. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, If it were better than that I address my petition, how can I address my petition to God and, 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 and come from me? And am, am I God that I can grant? What you want, can I, God, that I can grant you the fruit of the womb? And 
It says, God was displeased with his answer that Jacob had made to his, to his wife, and he rebuked him with these words. And he said, it is you who would, comfort, who would not comfort a grief-stricken heart. And as you live, the day will come when your children will stand before the sons of Rachel, or st- excuse me, stand before the son of Rachel, and he will use the very same words, and he will say, am I in the place of the Lord? Talk about Yosef. Now, Rachel made a reply to Jacob. She said, did not your father too entreat God for, my, for your mother with earnest words, beseeching him to remove her barrenness? Jacob said, it's true, but Isaac had no children, and I, and, and I have several. Man, Jacob need to be taken out back. And it said, um, Rachel responded and said, okay, remember your grandfather Abraham? who could not deny that he had children when he supplicated to the Lord on behalf of Sarah. And Jacob said, would, would, would thou do for me what Sarah did for my grandfather? And Rachel said, pray, pray tell, what did she do? And Jacob said, she herself bought, brought a rival into her house. Now Rachel said, if that is all that's necessary, I'm ready to follow her, the example of Sarah and pray that she... Pray that she be granted a child. I'm, I'm willing to invite the rival if that's what it means. Thereupon, Rachel gave Jacob Bilhah and said, if I, I want to follow Sarah's example, so here you go. And, uh, and it says she freed her handmaid, meaning she, she made, allowed her to become a full-fledged wife just along with her. And, she gave, and, of course, she gave birth to Dan. And then later, Naphtali. Now, at, she named her Naphtali, which is interesting, because it says that the Torah will be taught and by uh, they're as sweet as nofit, which means honeycomb, because the Torah would be taught in the territory of Naphtali. Turns out that Tiberias, which is where the Sanhedrin ended up and where the Talmud sprang forth from and the Mishnah sprang forth from, was in the area of Naphtali. Now, think about that. So this, all this Torah knowledge we have that was distilled and written down came from the area of a woman who said, I'm willing to, I so want to be part of the mission. It don't, the baby doesn't even have to come from me. It comes from my handmaid here. Why? Because it's selfless love. Leah, seeing that she had been left barren, while, while Bill, Bill, her sister handmaiden, bore Jacob two sons, concluded that it was Jacob's destiny to have four wives, her sisters and herself and their half-sisters, Bilhah and Zilpah. Therefore, she gave her her handmaiden as well. It says, to Zilpah's second son, Leah gave the name of Asher praise, for she said, unto me all manner of praise is due. Now listen to this. Listen to Leah's heart. We've heard a little bit more about Rachel. Now we're here more about Leah. It says, unto me all manner of praise is due, for I brought my handmaid into the house of my husband as a wife. Sarah did likewise, but only because she had no children. And so it was also with Rachel. But as for me, I have children. And nevertheless, I subdued my passion, and without jealousy, I gave my handmaid to my husband for a wife. Verily, all will praise and extol me. Furthermore, she spoke, as the women will praise me, so the sons of Asher will in time come to praise God for their fruitful possession of the Holy Land. So Leah's like, look, 
I just understand that this is the destiny. The destiny is 12 sons. The destiny is four wives. And so I already have sons. So what I did was not about trying to make a name for myself. What I did was all about the mission. Again, just looking at the heart of of these uh, women. It says, Leah's love for Rachel. This is, we've we've experienced a little bit about um, Rachel's love for Leah and how she taught her the signs and so on. Now that we're talking about Leah's love for Rachel. It says, Leah bore once more, and at this time it was a daughter. She She had a daughter. Now, it said, a man-child turned into a woman by her prayer. So, Leah is pregnant again, and she discerns that she has a, a, a baby boy in her womb. But she prays and asks God to change the sex of the child. Why? It says, when she conceived... For the seventh time, she, she spoke as follows. God promised Jacob 12 sons. I have borne him six, and each of the two handmaidens have borne him two. If now I were to bring forth another son, my sister Rachel would not be equal even unto the handmaid wives. Therefore she prayed to God to change the male embryo in her womb into a female, and God hearkened unto her prayer. Leah loved her sister Rachel so much. Again, we've been taught that they just hate each other. It was this cat fight night all the time. But they loved each other so much, she said, you know what? If I have another son, then you're going to be only going to have one. And you won't have as many as all the other wives. You need to at least have two. And so God said, okay. Now, what about the love of all the wives for each other to include Rachel? So now you got four women. They're all sisters. And it says, now all the wives of Jacob, that is Leah, Rachel, Zilpah, and Bilhah, united their prayers with the prayer of Jacob, and together they besought God to remove the curse of barrenness from Rachel. So we hear that Jacob prayed, but actually his other wives got together and said, you know what? Let's all, let's all pray that Rachel can have a baby. And it says, on New Year's Day, that's Rosh Hashanah, not January 1st. <laughs> on Rosh Hashanah, the day whereon God sits in judgment upon the inhabitants of the earth, he remembered Rachel and granted her a son. And Rachel spoke up and said, God has taken away, God has taken away my reproach. For all the people had said that she was not a pious woman, else she would have been bearing children. And now that God has hearkened to her and opened her womb, such idle talk no longer had any reason. But I want, you to, point, I want to point out that it was because of these, all the family praying together, all in unison. The, the, the lack of, of selfishness in this whole story is amazing, given the circumstances. Incidentally, and I've got a couple more insights to share here. We've got, we got a little bit more time, so let, let me just get to this. Um, that 
Leah's, it says Leah's eyes were weak. And this is what Rabbi Monk brings down. I've got this insight I'm going to share, and then I'm going to share finally about Rachel's 12 tribes. It says, The sages of the Midrash explain, For Adonai regarded the ways of the righteous, Psalm 1-6. Leah, a righteous, pious woman, deserved divine solitude all the more since the torment which she had endured from Jacob was not justified. Just the thought that she might have one day been Esau's wife had so terrified her that it ravaged her very features. The torment that she went to growing up, knowing that she was destined to be married to to Esau, made her lose some of her beauty. So it says, her eyes became weak because she feared she was destined for Esau and cried over it day and night. Everyone was saying, Rebecca has two sons, Laban has two daughters, the elder will marry the, the The elder will marry the elder, the younger the younger. With all her soul, Leah was hoping instead to give children to the righteous Jacob. God heard her prayer, for she wanted very much to be one of the founders of the numerous tribes. He made her fertile, although by nature she was barren, according to Piskei de Rav Kana. God thus redeemed Leah in her husband's eyes and rewarded her for her suffering being lenient toward her, although he had consented to obey Laban's order to marry Rachel's in place of the bridal chamber. So it brings out here that this is what Leah cried about. This is why Leah was given so many sons, and it's why she was given the honor of being buried in Machpelah. None of the other wives are buried in Machpelah. Only Leah was buried in Machpelah. Now, Rachel, we have all these women. This is our final insight for this this story. Rachel has has two sons. She ends up having Yosef and Benjamin. All the wives are sharing all the sons. But let's not forget that this all began because Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, and that didn't work out. This whole seemingly mess happened, but it ends up being Ain Od Milvalo. But Rachel had thought, and Jacob had thought, that Rachel was going to be the mother of all 12 tribes. Turns out that's not the case, but then again, it is. Because of Rachel's, remember this all started because Rachel had love for Leah and helped Leah not be embarrassed, helped Leah be a successful wife. Then Leah loved Rachel and prayed for her to the extent that she changed through her prayer the sex of the baby in her womb. The other sisters also loved everybody because they're willing to be a part of it and they brought them up to be full wives. But it all began with Rachel. If Rachel had not shown her sister the secret signs and maybe been under the bed, none of this would have happened. So it all began with Rachel's love. And so it says, Rachel called her son Joseph increase, saying, God will give me additional sons. Being a prophetess, she foresaw that she would have a second son, but an increase added on by God is larger than the original capital itself. Benjamin, the second son, whom Rachel regarded merely as a supplement, had ten sons of his own, while Joseph begot also two sons. Therefore, Rachel altogether had her twelve tribes. 
10 from Benjamin and 2 from Yosef. Rachel, it says here, that these 12 together may be considered the 12 tribes that were born by Rachel. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, 